on today's show, the Cleveland Cavaliers in Ricky Rubio's season debut picked up a dub against the Portland Trailblazers. We're going to break down that game in Rubio's debut in full on today's episode. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astral Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. I'm Chris Manning covering the Cavs and the NBA at large places like Diamond Up Rocks and explanations for this or that man over there is the proprietor of right down Euclid. He is Evan Damerel. Evan, the Cavs win 119 to 113 against the Portland Shoal Blazers and Ricky Rubio season debut. A lot of different ways we will go in this game, including, I think, talking about Donovan Mitchell and, and what he did in the second half, talking about Darius Garland's double-double, talking about Jared Allen's double-double, talking about Evan Mobley and some of the really great defensive stuff he did in this game. There's a ton, I mm-hmm. think, to unpack here. But I think we should, just considering the moment, start with Ricky Rubio. Modest 10 minutes and 27 seconds for Rubio. Nine points, three of five from the field. Pretty just kind of one assist game. Nothing crazy. What did you make, though, of Rubio being back and what he offered the Cavs in that little cameo he had? I think you can't tangibly track the impact Ricky Rubio had on the floor tonight for Cleveland, but you can tell that they played with a lot of juice when Rubio went back in there. Um, uh, he had, they had made custom shirts for him. It was like that black on black look. I forget the slogan, but I tweeted it in jest from the podcast account, but he played with a lot of presence, a lot of just well just thought plays in general like he played a lot of pace i think he physically looked very comfortable in his body at times too um when he took that charge early in the first quarter midway into the first quarter rather like you tell like yeah he's doing pretty well for himself out there and it's going to be interesting to see how the Cavs kind of just monitor his minutes i know it's been reported and it makes sense that he won't play on the second game of back-to-backs and he's clearly going to be on a minutes restriction for quite a while but I think this is just a good first step game. Like obviously the performance from the guys you mentioned at the top or rather you mentioned at the top certainly kind of overshadow and just Dame Lillard scoring 50 points in this game kind of overshadows a little bit over that. But this is the Ricky Rubio game if you're the Cavs. Um, he pretty comfortable physically out there. And like you said, there's not a lot to take from it because he only played 10 minutes, but I think it was a very impactful 10 minutes and just, he looked comfortable. I think they think that's the good thing more than anything. Physically, he looked comfortable, like just probing defenses and also just defending opponents as well. Like that, that's like the biggest hurdle for me to watch him play is like, how does he look physically in, in that mental aspect physically? He, I think clearly provided some calmness, some poise. Like when he first comes in this game, it's, it's, a point where like the Cavs are not playing well and he kind of stabilizes some things. And then it gets, he goes to the bench and he comes back and he has this point where like you see JB Bickerstaff on the broadcast, like call for Ricky, like he yells for him to come in and it's like immediately mm-hmm. things settle down. 
you can very clearly see like what the plan will be for Rubio. Like I, you know, I don't think this game is particularly useful in us like deciphering lineup pairings and who he's going to play with and, and and kind of that stuff and and like substitution patterns for Cleveland in that way, right? What I think it is useful though, in, in telling us is like, oh, like Ricky's going to do some really positive stuff. He's going to have this effect. There is like a Ricky Rubio effect of some kind, and it's just good to see him back. Like he he took corner threes. And he was very willing to take them. He's making passes. He had a pass um, out of underneath the basket that was like an underhand, like scoop pass that like, yeah, didn't result slick. in a shot. But it was just like, oh, like yeah, Ricky Rubio is going to do crazy stuff like this, and he's going to do to do things that no one else in well, the team can provide. They they need they need this kind of player. And like you can, like, I cannot wait to see like three guard lineups. I cannot wait to see just things they will try with him as he plays more and get and gets healthy and ramps up his minutes. And did you catch the one pass he had where he had a bit of that hezzy when he was like trying to do a fake dump off uh, driving down the lane? And then I think believe he yep. gave it to Evan Mobley. It's like, like, it like a little like in and out dribble that he like had yeah. like he he just like fakes everything out. And it's like, oh, like he's not even never been fast and he's pulling this off in like a half court setting. It's great. It's like Ricky Rubio's equivalent of the sham God kind of situation like that type of dribble. Like it's like you watch it down in slow motion. You can appreciate it more. But when you watch it in real time. It's a really good fake. And it that that was a that was a neat pass. I think like you mentioned many, many moons ago, like he is just cerebral as a plat passer and a playmaker. He's kind of a savant in that regard too. Like he just has that presence and cadence whenever he has the ball in his hands and on the floor. And I think yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see these three guard lineups that JB Bickerstaff could employ. You saw a little bit of it with like Hollow Neto playing with Garland and Mitchell, and I, I really want to see Rubio and Neto's spot. And then you have Garland and Mitchell playing predominantly off ball with Rubio initiating the offense because I think you can get some really creative looks for those two because defenses have to collapse on one of them when they're floating around on the perimeter or cutting the paint or things like that. And yeah, Rubio was he was he was very good tonight. I was pleasantly surprised the the spark he gave them. I didn't think it was going to be like an immediate impact, but he gave them a little bit of some stuff that you can really track in the box score. And when you watch him in the game, it was like an intangible burst that he gave the Cavs as well. And I think we all kind of predicted that from just like watching how much they admire Ricky and what he gives to this team. But it was just nice to see him back out there. And it was also just cool to see like pretty much everyone who covers basketball just like happy to see Ricky Rubio back out there because he's he's one of the good guys in the NBA at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm I'm watching the the dribble you mentioned uh that results in like it almost gets Evan Mobile a dunk. So like he rejects the screen, dribbles and fakes the pass on like a very early dump off to Mobley and like uses that to generate more space. And then he puts this little perfect bounce pass to Mobley and like it's just like good defense by Eubanks to, to rotate back and, and block Mobley and contest him there. But it's like he's opening up this pathway for Mobley by just the way he handles the ball. Like, oh, this dude is just going to provide, I think, a lot. And I, I, it's just like he's just so fun. Like, again, like I understand this is not like you're adding like an all star in. It's like weird to see him at number 13. Like, that's going to take me a little bit of adjusting to, to get used to, but he's just playing at a high level. Um, and and we're gonna. I can't wait to just break him down Saturday. Break him down. You know, see him in person uh, playing against you know New Orleans. Assuming everything goes to plan, come Monday, that's going to be I think mm-hmm. a lot of fun. But Evan, we should hit one quick news thing before we go on a break. Nothing really to analyze, but uh, Dean Wade is going to be out a little bit longer on some bad injury news. He suffered an ankle injury of some kind working out uh, and some one on one stuff. According to Chris Feeder of Cleveland.com. 
as he was getting closer to play, coming back after missing five or so weeks with that left shoulder sprain. Mm-hmm. TBD on when Wade is going to come back. It doesn't seem like this was like a super severe injury, but this kind of limits how this, this is going to keep Wade on the sidelines a little bit longer and kind of t- it's it, the Cavs are not quite a full strength, I think, until they get Wade back. He would have been like the cherry on top of the, the getting Rubio back Sunday. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. I think it's frustrating if you're Dean Wade just because you were expected to have a bigger role within this lineup and it's just in the lineups in general in this organization, maybe as the starting three for this team or at least a depth piece in general for the Cavs. And it stinks, but I think it's more reassuring, I want to say, that his shoulder seems to be doing better. Like I watched Dean Wade a lot just whenever the Cavs opened up the floor during practice for media. And he's usually working one-on-one with or one-on-two with a coach, like a, a coach acting as a rebounder and another coach acting as a defender. And he looks pretty comfortable out there. And yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe he tweaked his ankle and maybe he overdid it or something. But if you're Cleveland, just remain cautious about this. And hopefully he's back sooner instead of later. But I think it's encouraging to say like the shoulder seems to be doing a lot better just based on the timeline and everything else. And like, the way J.B. Bickerstaff raised a pregame against Portland, it seems like it's a minor setback, as you said. So, like, it shouldn't be too, too long, but we shall see when Dean Wade actually does get back to the floor. All right. After this break, we're going to come back. We're going to get into our big takeaways from this win. This was a big Cavs win. Aside from Ricky Rubio coming back, this was a really big, important Cavs road win. So we'll, we'll dive into our big takeaways from the game after this. But first... Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a, feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's where you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and free. All you have to do is get on LinkedIn and then add your job to the, with the purple hashtag hiring frame into your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedInNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedInNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, back here on the Locked On Cast podcast, Chris Manning and Evan Damerel. Evan, what is your big takeaway from this one? Where do you where do you want to go with this? Well, there's a few ways to go with this. Like obviously, the Ricky Rubio spark was huge. I think Evan Mobley for sure. I think this is going to be one of my bigger takeaways. First, it's just Evan Mobley was huge once again in the fourth quarter. You saw it the other night against the Jazz. Of course, that didn't result in a win for Cleveland, but. Evan Mobley kind of came alive after dealing with a lot of foul issues for the better part of this game, especially in the first half, and just made a lot of impactful plays on defense that translated to offense and also just really being opportunistic in terms of rebounding and getting good looks at the rim all throughout the fourth quarter to kind of spark and fuel this comeback Cleveland had because they didn't have the lead until maybe midway in the fourth when Donovan Mitchell hit a crazy three-pointer, but... I think they wouldn't be in that spot if Evan Mobley wasn't playing such sound defense and also just being so alert on offense as well. This was, I think, one of their better wins of the season. Like, they don't lead until the fourth quarter. They kind of 
struggled. I mean, you look at any of the kind of the, 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 the way they play in the first half and just look at the numbers, like their box score in the first half, they shoot one of nine from three. Like this was a, a bad shooting first half. Like oh, yeah. they were like Kevin Love is in the Steve Funk. Mitchell didn't play like a particularly good first half. Like you're only really afloat because of Jared Allen. And I, I want to come, we'll come back to Allen. Cause I want, I want to talk about something with him later, but like you didn't play particularly well. And then you just kind of keep coming and you keep it close enough and you keep coming and coming and coming. And then Mitchell just like has a monster second half. Allen or Mobley, excuse me, has like just an outrageous defensive game again after he had that outrageous game against the Jazz the other night. I mean, just some of the stuff that he's doing defensively. It's like Damon, Damon, who's on an absolute heater in this game, it was like cautious about going one on one against Mobley. Like he saw the switch and was mm-hmm. like, nah, I'm good. Like that, it, that tells you so much. That tells you so much that you have Damian Lillard who dropped 50 freaking points in this game. Just was like, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna attack Lobby on the switch. I'm gonna like pass it off and we're gonna do something else. And you just look, you look at what the, the core four of this team did in the second half. Allen has 10.7 boards. Garland is 13 and six uh, in the second half. Mitchell has 18 in an assist with 7-11 from the field. Mobley has 11 points, only has the one block, but a ton of shot contest, four rebounds, switching. Just all of these guys were absolutely excellent. I think you got some positive minutes from, you got like some a really nice shot make from Okoro in the second half. Like everything just clicks for you in the second half. And look, mm-hmm. you needed this road win, I think. Like this is a team that has not played well on the road. They had that tough loss to Utah the other night. It looked like they're maybe going to get another tough loss here. And they pull it out and, and overcome a 50 point game that this I'm sure like we're not there. I'm sure the locker room is jubilant after this. It has to be. That's a five dollar word if I've ever heard one. But it, it is funny you mention it. Um, I don't want to dump on him too much. But Karis Levert is kind of in the center of the Cavs having a dramatic seven point swing go against them in Utah. And you also watched Damian Lillard do a lot of what Jordan Clarkson did and put Karis LeVert in a blender more often than not. Like Dame, Damian Lillard has the ability to score 50 points any night. I, I think that's a fair assessment. And I do think the, 50, the 13 to 15 from the free throw line can be frustrating if you're Cleveland, especially because there was like one questionable foul call, I believe, against either Isaac Okora or LeVert. And we're just like Lillard just like jumped into him and the Cavs didn't challenge it. So. Uh, again, I'm not on a coaching staff for a reason, but Karis LeVert just kind of got shredded on this one. And I was a little befuddled that J.B. Biggerstaff kind of stuck with him at times, just defending Lillard on the perimeter like that when you had, especially when they had like Isaac Coro or even Lamar Stevens on the floor with um, LeVert at the same time. I just think, again, like, yeah, Mobley was a very good defensive wall and like definitely didn't let Dame get his shot. But like Isaac Okoro is arguably your best perimeter defender and just having Karis LeVert out there because he's a little lankier than Okoro just seemed like a little bit of a disservice. And maybe this game wouldn't be as tight and as uncomfy if you're the Cavs at times. And especially because you mentioned like they're, they're a road team that struggles. And I will give him his credit, though. He did not um, close out too tightly on any of Lillard's three-pointers this time around, so progress there. But this wasn't a great game for Karis LeVert, and he played 30 minutes. He played more minutes than Evan Mobley or Isaac Okoro in this one, and Okoro and Mobley were much more effective defensively on Lillard, and I think that's just maybe something you kind of want to approach, especially when you play teams that are just 
good three point shooting team, or at least teams that have players that are solid or solid to elite three point shooters. Because again, for me, Simons is a pretty good three point shooter, but Dame Lillard is is smoking hot that spot. Right, like I, I think, I think like Laverto to his credit, like played better defense late in this game. Like this team, like was just better in the second half. That, that's better, like. That's fair. He did have two to three very good defense possessions down Lillard in the fourth quarter. Like I'll also give him credit for that. But like for the better part of this game, he was get especially in the first half was getting shredded by Dame. And I'm like, oof, where poor Karis Lavert is having a bad, bad week defensively against perimeter players. Sure, but then like I, I think the point though is that you over like you're able to overcome some of that by how well your big four played by what Rubio gave you like. Kevin Love didn't like like play well in this game. Kevin Love is in like a deep shooting funk and like missed a wide open corner three in, in this game. And like you overcame that. You overcame like just a lot of things just maybe not exactly going your way somewhat. And you you get a win you need like mm-hmm. that to me is like a bigger deal than like, OK, like Levert struggled defensively again. Like that that's not new. I think what it what like I think just matters if you're going into the road trip finale and you look at what Cleveland yeah. has had going on the last couple weeks with the weird offensive defensive splits with getting Rubio back, which is like, again, the weird loss in Utah, like you needed almost like a palate cleansing win. And like this mm-hmm. game, the way it happened, the way like you're the surging team in the second half, the way you are getting crazy shot making and getting some things that break your way in that way. I th- I think that ultimately is like a really, really kind of a big swing off of that Utah game. Like that matters. Like that really, really matters. And like Donovan Mitchell just like t- doing insane stuff is is helps you get that win. And that just I'm I'm sure I'm again, I'm sure the the vibes are just pristine up there. I would say immaculate as well. And it's funny you mentioned Kevin Love. Like John Michael will put this bug in my ear during the broadcast while listening, but this is the second time in his entire to- tenure with the Cavaliers that he's born in Portland. And I just think that's kind of interesting to note. And if you want to kind of get in on the action, you could check out today's sponsor, Bet Online, and maybe place a bet on a Cavs win up uh, uh, Saturday in Minnesota. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football to college bowl season to basketball and so much more. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. For title odds, the Celtics have the best odds at plus 400. The Bucks are second at plus 600. The Nets are at plus 750. And the Warriors are at plus 900. The Cavs, meanwhile, come in at plus 1800, the eighth best odds in the NBA. And if you love sports podcasts like this one, you can find those as well at Bet Online. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. What I would have said before we transition there was that we uh, now we're going to do game awards in segment three. Evan just like grabbed the wheel and decided to just go. I took a smooth. I think it was a smooth segue, but everyone. I don't know if that was smooth, but you know, you you believe what you want to believe. Let's go into game awards. Evan, who's your MVP? My MVP in this one is Evan Mobley. I effused a lot of praise on him in the second segment, but he again really stepped up in this one. And I think if he didn't play with so much energy and hustle at times in the fourth quarter. The Cavs wouldn't have been primed in that position to kind of let Donovan Mitchell and especially Darius Garland just take over down the stretch. So shout out to Evan Mobley. Like he didn't have like the most insane night offensively, but he was just key down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Who's your MVP, big big guy? Uh, I think you could go four different directions, but That's I, fair. And like 
Donovan Mitchell would be like a very like reasonable pick just because of the scoring he did was like there. But I'm I'm gonna go Darius Garland because I found the composure to kind of help bridge the calf through some of this to be really important. I thought twenty like he he keeps just racking up games with like absurd assists to, to turnover issues like ten assists versus just four turnovers in this game. It's just like awesome stuff. Like he's so trustworthy with the trustworthy with the ball, and he was really aggressive in his shot making in this game. Even though not all these shots fall, even though. Like he only takes the twelve shots. Like he was, and he, he got to the line ten times, and it was just very aggressive. And they just needed that. Like Mitchell kind of takes over late, and he'll maybe get the the heroics late. But I thought Garland was so essential in getting them there. Um, as was as was Jared Allen. Um, so for me, it's Garland. I just wanted a really really good game and just kind of responding in big ways. Uh, to go to Evan's stat of the night. So Cleveland has a sixty eight to fifty two advantage in points in the paint. This was really big, not just because of, I think, the three-point issue, but it, it tells you, I think, a little bit about the kind of night Jared Allen had. 17 shots for Jared Allen. New season high. 24 points. Mm-hmm. Ties the season high. Did his, his, That was the same number of points he scored against Portland back in November. So maybe just played what worked against Portland, find some, some secret sauce, and maybe just like have him attack Yusuf Nurkic or whatever. But they just really like bridged their way via Jared Allen and him just kind of and all the alley-oops and the dunks and all that stuff early in this game and in, and, and through the first part of the game to keep it close enough where you get into the fourth quarter and Mitchell like does Donovan Mitchell things and like led by Jared Allen and that point advantage in the paint they kind of bridge their way mm-hmm. to functional enough offense to kind of to be there late for Mitchell to do Donovan Mitchell stuff Donovan Mitchell doing Donovan Mitchell stuff is still such a crazy thing to think about because it is sometimes hard to fully grasp like holy cat holy crap that's the word i was looking for um arguably one of the best players in his position is playing for the cleveland cavaliers and is like really just shaping his identity to this team and also kind of molding this team to his identity as well but i i think that's a very fair assessment that you made that the Cavs kind of just building that is that dominance in the paint whether especially through allen and also mobley to an extent as well and just also garland having constant rim pressure too, really open things up on the perimeter for mitchell who who didn't shoot the ball well in three-point range he was two of eight overall from the floor but like he had two big three-pointers in this game and like garland was two or three from the three-point line as well like those two were able to create some perimeter pressure. And then like Rubio was the only other guy other than Isaac Okoro to hit a three point in this game. Like it, it's still wild. Cleveland shot seven of 22 from three and one this game. Um, but like that, I think that's just the MO of how this Cavs team really wants to operate offensively under JB Bickerstaff, because I still remember Bickerstaff saying this uh, either last media day or two media days ago but he like called it the fetishization of the three-point shot and he says games are always one in the paint and i think this is testament to that because the Cavs just worked portland on in the paint spot and they were able to get easier looks on the perimeter down the stretch and also kind of that constant rim pressure got them to the line a lot because i know fans were complaining about the uh officiating this game but the Cavs did shoot more free throws than the blazers at the end of the day so Maybe the whistle was kind of going Cleveland's way at times too. Uh, is the free throw thing your stat? No, it's not. My my stat of the night is just the fact they outscored Portland thirty-two to twenty-two in the fourth quarter. Um, it just kind of showcased a lot of what worked in Phoenix the other night, where 
you have just a lot of contributions from a lot of players. Like Isaac Okoro had a very good game as well. Like we should kind of mention that too. Like he hit mm-hmm. that big three pointer and hit it with confidence, but you had all four starters scoring in double digits. You got some bench contributions from like Lamar Stevens or Ricky Rubio, but like the rest of that, not so much, but this was more of like a team effort. And as we kind of keep like harping on her, maybe just like noticing in this, just reviewing this game is you had your four stars step up and like, this was more of a consolidated team effort. And it's like, they kind of took what worked against Phoenix the other night and applied it to this game where they kind of just kept going blow for blow with this opponent and then put their foot on the neck of the Blazers and just kind of asserted their dominance in the fourth to just kind of take this game away and make sure they won. And it could have been a similar effect in Utah as well. Like that, it had that similar vibe in Utah up until everything happened with Karis LeVert and Jordan Clarkson. Let's end here. Play of the night. Evan, I'm going to, I have like four I wrote down. Like there's yeah. just like a lot of things that like really kind of geeked me out. Uh, the the Moby block on on Nurkic to, that led the Mitchell runout was great. The wraparound pass in the third quarter, for Garland Allen for a dunk was incredible. But I'm gonna pick a different uh, Darius Garland pass. So Darius Garland passes to Evan Mobley early third quarter. He gets to the elbow ish, kind of fakes his way, has a little has kind of manipulates a defender. Mobley slides in from from the dunker spot area, gets a dunk. Just like Garland is so good at manipulating these things. It's just like a hop and a read mm-hmm. and it's just like a little manipulation and it gets the flash and it's like perfect easy two points for, for Evan Mobley. This was just one of those things where you're like, this guy is an insane passer. It is so fun to watch him when he's getting passes off like that and he's flowing and he's feeling it and he's feeding guys mm-hmm. into easy points. Like he he's just so fun and so trustworthy with the ball. And this was like in a game where he had a ton of great passes and 10 assists and all of that. This I think that was my favorite one, and that's the thing that stood out. Again, you could pick a bunch of different things. I think there's like four Donovan Mitchell plays in the fourth quarter you could pick. Oh, yeah. As a sicko, I could pick the Isaac Okoro corner three and just like do a Chris Manning diatribe. Not going to do that tonight, but I'm going to go with this Garland <laughs> pass. What's your play of the night? Oh, that's a good pick first off, and I agree. Like Darius is very aggressive with the ball in his hands. He does have a turnover issue, but like when he is aggressive and the plays are just connecting with him passing the ball and manipulating defenses, you can see how the Cavs function in harmony. But my play is a pass play as well. It's a different type of player who uh, delivered the pass. It was Jared Allen throwing a lob pass to Isaac Okoro, and Isaac did have a pretty scary fall after the fact. He was flexing his elbow, so maybe that's something worth monitoring the day after to see how he's feeling, but... I don't know, man. Jared Allen was kind of flirting with a triple-double a little bit. He finished the night, obviously, like you said, with 24 and 10, but he also had six assists as well. Like, that's that's pretty good stuff from Jared Allen at the end of the day. Like, just the big-to-big passing the Cavs just kind of keep working on. And, like, I asked Allen about this a while back. And just, like, is this something J.B. Bickerstaff encourages? He's like, yeah, if I have the ball in my hands at the top of the key or something like that, and I see a guy like like Isaac was cutting on this one. It was like a backdoor cut, and he lobbed it to Okoro, who got an easy dunk. Like that's just really good basketball at the end of the day. That's utilizing a guy who struggles in terms of spacing, but he's utilizing the space he has in front of him to get an easier look at the basket. I think that's exactly what you want from a core at the end of the day. And it was a good play. It was simple. That was a wild pass. Just a, it was. a wild pass that like I, I was and then a core flex elbow. And I'm like, he, it was a hard fall. And like, it was not, yeah. I was like, you're just like, Oh, glad he, glad he, glad he, Glad he finished it and didn't get hurt. That was nice. Yeah, that that was nice. And I forgot to mention this during my stat of the night, but Mark Stein noted this, um, that Damian Lillard's 50-point game is the 15th one overall this season. 
Uh, last season, there was only 19 just across the board. We're like 43, 44-ish games into the season for most teams, maybe a little more, a little less. But this is going to be a pretty crazy offensive year for every team in the NBA. The Cavs, the Cavs know it all too well. They've seen a lot of it this year, but like it's it's rad to watch sometimes an all gas no breaks game versus a defensive slugfest like we sometimes see with Cleveland. Can, I'm going to shut out one Mitchell play and then we'll get out of here. That I I so Jeremy Grant's defending him. It's late in the fourth. They give him the ball at the elbow, and he mm-hmm. and he's completely still. And he and he spins back to get to the rim and it's just clean and Grant had no shot at stopping him. Donovan Mitchell's really just really really good. Oh, he's yeah he's like the physicality he can play with and the explosiveness he has from like static <clears throat> positions is crazy. It's crazy. It, it is, and I will quietly admit something. Or not quietly. I'm loudly admitting this. Podcast. You are on a, you are on a podcast where you're we've made sure your gain is high. I high I. Yes, shout out to producer of the show, Jake Stevens. Check him out on Spotify under the Marrier. But I doubted Donovan Mitchell's skill. Like I knew he was a scorer, but I thought he had like clear limitations. But the way he's just taking his game to a next level with the Cavs is already crazy. But having to watch him on a nightly basis, because admittedly I didn't watch a ton of Chaz games in my spare time, uh, just because I cover the Cavs for the most part. And just watching him up close, I'm just like, yeah, he's the real deal. Like, this dude is the dude for the Cavs, and this is the player the Cleveland's been kind of looking for to give them that edge. And, like, he just does crazy stuff offensively like that. We're like, man, that was good defense, but much better offense. And it's just, like, just the simple manipulation and, like, the most small, minute details that, like, he works with. And it's just, it's insane stuff to watch him function as a player. Best basketball he's ever played. I firmly believe that. Oh, yeah. And I think a big part of it is, is he's having fun again. Like he has said that several times now, like he kind of lost a bit of his fun factor with the jazz towards the end and being around these young faces. And I think just in a new situation is kind of respark things and rekindle things for Mitchell. And we're seeing him in his bag, as the kids would say. Yes. All right. That is going to be it for this episode of Lockdown Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That's been Evan Damerald. This episode was, as always, produced by the one and only Jake Stevens, again, check him out under Marrier on, on Spotify uh, and support him and in, in his music endeavors. Uh, now, for your second listen today, check out Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with the local analysis only Locked on can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked on NBA. That is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. I'm Chris. That's Evan. Everyone, be well. Talk to you on Monday. Recap Cavs, Wolves then, and, and get you ready for... Cavs Pelicans as well.